Yo, welcome to another episode of the Cheat Coders Podcast. My name is Brav and I am here with Done Doing Stuff. What's doing? doing? All the way in London, Tam. That's blazing. You're listening to the Cheat Coders Podcast. Yo, 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 yo. What's doing? This is Done Doing Stuff. You're listening to the Cheat Coders Podcast. I am not here with the usual suspects because uh, the the two dudes that are usually on here, the usual suspects of Raf Flores and Nats Blazin are taking a bit of a break right now. Um, but I am holding down the fort. This is Don Doing Stuff. You're listening to the Cheat Coders podcast. Cheat Coders podcast. It is a very, 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 very special episode. This is episode 133. That's right, right? It's 133? 133 episodes, and we have a special guest on the show. I would like to welcome a very good friend of mine who is a teacher, who's a drummer, who's an all-around nice guy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sean Isaac Tung. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me on, man. appreciate your time. Of course. appreciate this opportunity. It's dope. Of course, man. And um, I want to get into talking to you about your, your music, talking to you about your business mm. and, and all of that good stuff. But one of the things that we used to do on this podcast um, was we used to like just talk shit for just a, a little bit of the time because it's fun, you know? Like yeah. we, and, and it's like you're saying, it's just like when we caught up the other day for Pretty coffee. Much. It's like just catching up. And, um, and it's just fun. So but first of all, how are you, man? How's, how's things going? I'm good, man. It's been a weird time. Hey, what a crazy time. We've been in, man. But, yeah. um, you know, just find an opportunity where there is and, and uh, you know, making as many, as many things work as, as we can. So, yeah. Yeah, man. It's because of the, cause COVID and, you know. COVID and the business. Obviously, gigs are. Non-existent. <laughs> <of> gigs. What are gigs? What are gigs? What is a gig? Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's been good. It's been a good time. Like, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm never the one to cry about. When, so, when some bad stuff happens, mm. I'm, kinda, I'm always like, okay, what do we do now? You know, yeah. What can I change? How can I pivot to make things work? So nice. Really I like really it. Um, we'll, we'll get into that stuff uh, a little later. But first, there's a few things that I want to, like some really, really important things I want to talk to you about. First of all, you know what TikTok is, yeah? Yeah. You know what TikTok is. I don't have it, but I know what it is. <laughs> you understand the TikToks? I feel old that I don't have TikTok as well. How come you don't have TikTok? I just, I just never, I don't I know, I mean, because you're, you're, you're a young person. I'm you're not a, that young anymore. You're a bro. young people's. I was young when I met you. I'm getting pretty old now. Yes, I mean, you're still, you're still going to be younger than me no matter what <laughs> true, happens. Tito Don. But yeah, but. Tito Don. Tito Don. All right, Anak, let's, let's get into this. <laughs> Basically, what this is, right? So I saw this. It was a TikTok video of this girl and she orders a whole bunch of Chinese food. Oh, God. And. She eats the entire thing, but she does it like a really, really interesting way of eating duck pancakes. Oh, don't. And <laughs> don't you dishonor the duck pancakes. So I want, I want to show you this video <laughs> and get, just get your reaction on it. So let's just watch this. Oh, hang on, hang on. I, I might need to restart the video. Because it's... First of all, she's using a fork. That's wrong already. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got the answers, Sway. <laughs> But let's just do it anyway. I, I, um, I, I want. I need to like re. Uh, you used the wrong utensil. Have you seen that? Have you seen no, I haven't. Uncle I haven't. Roger. I have seen that. I have seen that. Right. I connected uh, to that guy so he's, well. You know. he's, he's a funny dude. <laughs> All right. So let's let's play this. Here's another Chinese. This 
sides of my head, the full carton of egg fried rice pot and pack. Got beef and black bean tonight, make sure all the meat's out and pour some sauce on, a full portion of salt and pepper chips, and you've got a full portion of chicken balls with a sweet and sour sauce. Finally today I decided to get myself some prawn toast, and if that wasn't enough I decided to get myself a quarter duck as well. Oh. No, I don't eat duck and pancakes the same oh. as everybody else does while they're my. a bit of everything on the no. Dip it in the sauce, hold the pancake yeah, over the this, this? and just push it all straight in. Just in case you missed it, here I am again. Okay, I will say that's pretty damn efficient though. I respect the thing that I didn't like was the chips. Right? So there's okay, so just to just to describe what's going on. She's ordered a whole bunch of like Chinese food. She she plates it out, puts it out on a plate, but there's 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 some fried rice, there's it looks like beef and black bean sauce. Yeah, yeah. And then there is salt and pepper chips. Yeah. Like salt and pepper squid, but with that you they that confused the heck out of me, that, chips. that that plate. Like, that's not, I don't know, that's not authentic Chinese food. I mean, gener- like, there, there's, like, shiny Chinese food, which is, like, white people trying to make Chinese food. Shiny Chinese food. Yeah, it's, like, the glossy MSG filled. You get it at that store. And then there's, and then there's Chinese Chinese food, right? Okay. I feel like, I don't know, man. I'm Would this confused. be considered Chinese a shiny Chinese it'll be, food? It'll be shiny Chinese food. Yeah, man. yeah. But the Peking duck, like, like that's, I don't know. Do you feel like everybody knows about Peking duck? I don't know, man. I, I think anyone that's gone to maybe a yum cha, yeah, has, yeah, yeah. knows about Peking duck. But what she did was she took the and it's like a it's duck pancakes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like a crepe or like a pancake, and she put it over her face, yeah, and then sp- like took the duck and the like the cucumber, and just shoved it so that it. it so it's like yes. it blankets the the crepe blankets everything and then she eats it in one go. I mean, look, that's really efficient. Um, I don't, that's that's pretty efficient. Uh, to be, there's a bit of a dude doing that with chopsticks though. Yeah, yeah. It's like this like real big dude kind of just sitting there on his own eating picking duck like holding it up, doing almost the exact same thing. I mean, I mean, it is efficient. Everything I, everything was amazing about that video except for the the chips. Salt and pepper chips yes. offends you. Yeah, that. Why was that there? Like that could have been another meal. You just had to put it there. Like I, I don't know, man. But <laughs> what what impresses me is watch watch this watch this. So she eats more of the she eats all of the food there, and I mean it's a TikTok video, so she yeah she finishes the entire thing. There's there's probably Bro, like that's three, like a whole meal. That's like three meals. You could feed four people, and then she eats a piece of ham <laughs> afterwards. Like that's that's there, there was at least three, like there was at least three courses in that. You know what she should have done? She should have tried the ham with the peking duck and the cucumber. Oh, well, that would have been mad. The same shape as well. Oh, come on, man. That would have been She could have done that. What's the weirdest? Like, what's the weirdest um, food that you've ever eaten? Balut. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up balut. I was so I, I I go to church. We go to mission trips in the Philippines all the time. We do feeding mm. programs. So yeah. We're hanging out with the locals, and. Uh, the guy, we're just sitting on the on the on the gym jimney or the jeepney sorry. jeepney yeah yeah and um one of the guys is taking us around one of our leaders just like waves a guy on a scooter in <laughs> and he's saying he's speaking um what i what i because they don't speak the Galog in the island that we went to okay which island was this uh Leite island takloban okay takloban yeah bro just pulls out like freaking boats yeah i pull it out i look at it and then they tell me, don't look at it, don't look at it, don't look at it. I hate it. it. Honestly, for the first two seconds, it was all right. But then mine was like pretty late. Like it was so, pretty formed already, bro. Just a bit of context for the listeners out there. Balut is a, a, a delicacy from the Philippines. I think they also have it in Vietnam. It's definitely a de- um, delicate situation, I'll tell but, you that. <laughs> and it's, it's duck eggs, but it is like partially formed. 
fertilized. Uh, fetus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can see the beak and the feathers and the wing and the face. Yeah, depending on how like old the the yeah. the, 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 the baby duck is. Pretty like formed. Yeah, bro. Like <laughs> it. It was like like I ate it. It tasted all right, but then there was the membrane in the film, and then I I just couldn't. Mm. I was done. But look, I had to do it, man. I was there. Yeah, went in Rome, right? Exactly. I was there. I'm not going to... I bet you, like, if I didn't, I would have gone on the flight back. And I'm like, damn it, should have tried it anyway. So <laughs> I'm that type of guy. Like, even though it's stupid, I'll, I'll give it a go because I know I'm going to regret it. So. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I think the I think the weirdest thing that I've eaten is... um, Have you ever had dinaguan, which is like a Filipino dish as well, but it's made out of pig's blood? And they call it chocolate pudding. No, I, no, no, no. I blood, saw it. Blood I, did, I didn't try it. Yeah. I don't think I... Yeah, no, I didn't try that one. It's a, I tried balut, but not that. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, balut's a little easier. It's just like, oh yeah, it's like an egg, so you eat it. Nah, bro. That, I feel like if someone didn't tell me what it was mm. and just gave it to me, I would have probably eaten it. But when they told me what it was, I was like... Mm. But then when you saw the, like, the half, the partially formed embryo... Yeah, true. You'd be like... Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I like the I like the yolk of the balut because it's really really creamy. It's, it's yeah. A lot well, someone told me that you should have tried like the less formed one. Yeah, like it's better. Like it's closer to an egg, literally. Mm. <laughs> and I've seen I've seen people like like <laughs> sounds gross, but like suck the bones and the beak to get as much of the flavor out of it as possible. Uh, to anyone squeamish out there listening right now, I apologize. Do not go Google balut, by the way. The face is going to be like, Ugh. <laughs> Don't Google it, but it's B-A-L-U-T. <laughs> Don't Google it. Um, Three week old. Let's let's move on to the next article. So this is from the, the Mirror. So um, obviously we know that COVID is a thing and there's gonna, there's been restrictions on, you know, like live gigs, there's been restrictions on weddings um, and things like that. But he, this article says that a couple spends 2,000 pounds on cardboard cutouts of their friends so that they can attend their weddings, right? That's, <laughs> hey, that's innovation in the times we're in right there. Yeah, so that the, they had, they had um, what's it called? Uh, there was restrictions in the UK and I think it was up to 20 people but they had, they had, uh, says here. So they had 50, they ended up having 50 guests attend their big day in quotation marks. Like real people? Without breaking the law. So look, you see this, vo- this photo and they've got a whole <laughs> room of people just like, we, we, they've taken photos with each one of the people. Like, you know what, you know, what annoys me most is in this article from the mirror, the, the friends and family, they've just taken photos of themselves in normal clothes, like this guy, one yeah, guy, right? he's not like he hasn't have, he hasn't shaved, he hasn't like have fixed some his hair. respect for your friends, man. I mean, it's wedding. it's kind of funny. The shirt says <laughs> it should have been me, but I would have dressed up if I, I wanted know. a cardboard cutout. It would have made a cool photo as well, like if everyone was dressed up and kind of half looked like they were trying to be there. <laughs> I mean, look, hey, stop from some of the lighting. It actually kind of looks legit. Yeah, sort of, sort of. <laughs> like that guy looks much bigger than. <laughs> Why does that dude standing on his knees? He's crawling everywhere. He's on his knees everywhere. Yeah, some of them aren't full body photos. Some wait. Someone one lady's on grass. <laughs> someone, yeah, someone standing in grass on wood. What? <laughs> what, what are you doing? What's the what's the bad angle? I think they had it from the top. You you <laughs> usually play at weddings and stuff like that. Have you played at many weddings or have you I attended have many, many weddings since, since COVID? I've, not since COVID. Okay. None. Um. Towards actually towards the end. Towards when COVID started, I was actually already starting to dip down and taking saying yes to wedding gigs. Yeah. Anyway. That was just kind of just a personal choice for me. Like I kind of just sort of, like I, I love doing it with, with, with friends, but it wasn't like the thing I was 
doing every week, week on, week out. But there was a period of my gigging life where I was doing at least two weddings a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two yeah. weddings, man. That's crazy. Bro, I have a, yeah, I, if I were to count, I've attended easily over 100 weddings, like over the course of my gigging career. Just yeah. Just, it is kind of, it is good money as a session drummer. So, yeah. yeah. I think, I think, yeah, musicians can, can make a lot of money from, from weddings because, yeah, people spend stupid amounts of money. Well, I know weddings. a lot of amazing musos and successful musos that have bands that do weddings and that's all they do and they love it. Yeah. And they do really well and like happy for them. It just like, I love doing it, but it has to be more of like a, there has to be a reason for me to go do it. Mm. Either the pay's good um, or it's with friends. Like, like yeah. if it's with Dan or Jules, like the crew, right? Like yeah, yeah. I'll go do it. But if it's like, sometimes if it's just like a random call with someone I don't really know and the pay's like not enticing enough i'm yeah. not gonna get up my my house to do that i think the other thing as well is like you really kind of have to know the people or, or at least you know have that like a nice enough relationship with them yeah so because they it's their day you know yeah, what i mean and the music that they want to hear is like I, I want this played at and you know this time I, this during the speech and it's it's very very personal to them and if the band isn't kind of tapped into that then i think it makes it difficult yeah. i mean everybody has to want to be there because yeah. if it's obvious if the like people don't want to be there and you if you're if you're there you don't want to be there even though you're hired gun like you might ruin someone's special day because yeah. of your bad mood and i didn't want to be that guy so that's why i started taking <laughs> saying saying yes like no to some of those gigs because i'm like i don't want to yeah anyways it's, it's whatever <laughs> <laughs> but yeah anyways I'll, I'll at this moment in time i'll take any gig i can get bro because i just miss playing with people right now <laughs> but I, I can't believe they spent actually like two thousand pounds i think it look it looks pretty cool why didn't they do a cut, cardboard cut out of the, the band <laughs> <laughs> and, they and just play like a speaker through it never too much never <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you can because you could have you could totally have that you could have like the band playing <laughs> in a studio somewhere yeah but then the sound just, just plays the cardboard cut out the drums going <laughs> <laughs> hey there's an idea there's an idea for sure start a business let's go oh, hustle, hustle 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 hustle, hustle. Side hustle. look at this hustle oh my goodness <laughs> they've taken some photos and they've got the cardboard cutouts man it's it's hilarious wait actually hold on i can't tell which one's a cardboard cutout. no shut up no nah, legit just that one right yeah it's just wait, that wait, one. wait oh i thought those three were two except for her <laughs> okay look I'm, I'm dumb. No, my bad. <laughs> oh man, and I think yeah, I I think this is a pretty good way of like having all of your loved ones, your friends and family at one place at one time. Yeah, I mean, I guess like ten years down the road, they're gonna look at the photos and like mm. it'll be like you almost the same as they were there. And I think they they should have taken it if they if they had more money to spend, taken it one step further and then put like iPads <laughs> on each of the cardboard cutout <laughs> yeah, face, or like or like have the face, but then like. Like the iPad, like inserted in, so like people could still like move their faces around. <laughs> and stuff. Oh, oh man, it's the next level. That's the next level. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next one. This one is less of an article; it's just more of a funny thing that I saw. And you know what Walgreens is, right? Have you? Do you know what Walgreens? Nah, man. So Walgreens is like a pharmacy in the in the United States. Okay, cool. So it's like and a so this, line. yeah, basically, right? This is from the Huffington Post. And it says that Walgreens and singer Al Green have more in common than we realized. So Al Green posted up a photo of a Walgreens sign vandalized. And it's basically just, they've, what they've done is they've taken the, uh, a photo of Al Green. I think, what, what album is that from? That's the one from, um, it's the one where he's shirtless. And, um, and they've, they pasted it over the W of Walgreens. And now it says, 
Al Green's drive through pharmacy. <laughs> He's tweeted this and he said, who's, who's, who did this? <laughs> That's actually golden, man. <laughs> Can you imagine being this dude and driving through that? Maybe he wants to get some medication. Maybe. And uh, he, he might have got a discount that day. See that man over there, man? I, I can't <laughs> believe nobody's thought of this until just now. I know, I like, know. But what's, what's, what's one of the funniest things that you've seen like in terms of um, people vandalizing shit? Oh man, it's like sometimes it's like sometimes it's not even vandalizing. It's just like poor spelling at Chinese restaurants. <laughs> like, that's my favorite. I can't think of any at the top of my head right now. But like they just forget vowels or just spell stuff wrong, and they just like you read it and it's like they 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 spell it how they say it like like fly light like they'll like they'll they'll spell something wrong fly, and it's, fly like, like they'll just spell it wrong and that that cracks me up every time. Uh, I can't think of any like a vandalizing. I, I've I've seen ones where like because um. Uh, what's it called? What was it? There, there were some in India when I visited there, but there's also ones in 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 the Philippines, mm. and there would be one like the the sign should say "Please close the gate." Yeah, right. <laughs> but right. but it would be "Please close," and then it'd be the get the get. Please close the get because <laughs> that's how they pronounce Wait, how it. How do they spell it? Please, uh, P L S. Yeah. Please close C L O S. Yeah, and then D A. G E T the, the get, get the please get. close the get please, no, please, please close the get please close the get that <laughs> <laughs> and that's not their fault like that's how they that's how they um what's it called they kind of see that right oh man there's heaps uh, it's funny because I like I find bad spelling funny but I'm not I'm not a terrific speller either <laughs> so like I feel like I don't have the credit to to because my girlfriend always like you can't even spell man like how how do you blah, blah. I'm like Shut up. that's why I teach drums not English <laughs> <laughs> what was your what was your English grade oh man it wasn't good it was it was I definitely didn't pass the Asian level for sure yeah. as in like Asian pass I didn't Asian pass Asian pass Asian pass is like ninety and did above. you always like were, were your parents were your parents the ones that were kind of always forcing you to get really, really high grades? Were they all- They actually weren't that sort of parent. They were just like, they always reinforced hard work. Yeah. But they never, like, obviously, like, they wanted us to get good grades, but mm. they, were ne- they weren't as crazy as some of my other friends' parents. Okay. Um, so but they, nothing like you get 99% they're like why did you yeah, get yeah no nah, I don't want like that like <laughs> I think my mum's just glad if I got over 85 like it's cool because yeah. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a book smart guy like school yeah. just wasn't sort of for me like that's not the way I learned yeah um, so mum obviously probably saw that at a young age and realised this kid has no hope in school let's just hope he passes and like get, gets at least 80 or something like, just, like, just, like, that's, like, that's Asian pass yeah, right no no she's like I'll, I'll settle for not Asian pass I'll settle, I'll settle for just like like a good pass like a clean pass so my eight hours wasn't even good or anything but yeah 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 man uh, well, my parents are pretty cool but we got that nice I, th- I think like growing up my dad was the type to be like you need to you need good grades I had friends like that and, I just feel sorry for them It'd be like you get ninety nine percent. Like, what about the hunt? What about that one like mark? How come you didn't get that one mark? I'm like, come on. I think for them, it's like it was just one thing. Why couldn't you just get it right? Like, if it's one small thing, it's like, dad, I got ninety nine, bro. Like, what? <laughs> no, the thing is that I struggled with was coming up. I had like friends and cousins that were really smart. Yeah, yeah. So parents would obviously like Asian parents, like, <sighs> why can't you do it like him? Blah blah blah. Like that. You're casting over there. He has yeah, yeah, right. Oh my god. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna go back and play drums now. <laughs> <My room>. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, so you're more you're more like the practical learner than like yeah, the million percent, yeah. million percent tactile practical learner than like book smart. Like with anything, 
any new skill that I've acquired since school, yeah, uh, it's always been better for me to just go and do it. Like make the mistakes, get smacked in the face, yeah, and then and then make those mistakes. Because for me, it's quicker, um, and like for me. It's sometimes nice to know things in theory, mm. but actually being there and doing it, you actually are doing it and learning. So it's just practical for me. Like even in business, like yeah. I did I don't have any business degree, but I hang out with a lot of mentors that have been entrepreneurs, businessmen. Yeah. And I feel like the knowledge and wisdom got from them is more than any business degree can probably mm. give to anybody. Because I'm having lunch with an ex CEO. I'm having lunch with, you know, like yeah, that. that's mad, man. I, I like that a lot because, yeah, like you said, it's 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 that practical experience. You actually, it's not it's not theory. There's a bit of theory there, but like it's that mm. practical experience. You you're speaking to people who have have actually done it, and yeah, they, you're they're imparting their knowledge onto you. And like um, when they say don't do this, it's because they've probably done it or then, they've seen the repercussions of it for real in yeah. person. So it's a first hand account of, of yeah. what's going on. So I like that. I like that yeah, a lot. Man. I want to talk a, more, a little more about this, but we have one more article. All right, let's go. And I think it's the most important one. Do you know, you got to tell me, you know, what Art Attack is, right? Do you no, know? I don't. You don't know what Art Attack Bro, is? Bro, I don't know, man. I've been in a freaking like rock. I've just been like hustling. What, what's Art Attack? It's okay, so Art You're Attack. Like I'm so out of, out of touch with pop culture now. I'm so sorry. So Art Attack is a, a show from the 90s, right? I'm, how late and how early in the 90s? I, yeah, I know, because you're, you're a young person, but like the people that um, would be my age. Um, okay. No, but Art Attack is. Art Attack uh, was a kid's show in the 90s where there was a, an artist his name, by the name of Neil Buchanan. And it was, the, it was the, a British TV show. He'd go on the show and he'd make, it's, it was like play school. But okay, kind of okay. cool. I right? know play school. I love play school. Yeah, play play school's school. my jam. Anyway, there's, there's like this rumors going on around the internet saying that he is Banksy. Do you know who Banksy is? Bank- no. You don't know who Banksy is? Oh my God. Bro, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't briefed. I would have looked this up. It's to, so to, good. To sound, to sound legitimate. I got the answers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so, um, the, he, like, so this dude is, uh, he was, this was back in the 90s when he was on Art Attack. And his catchphrase was like, this is, this is on, uh, uh, yeah. Let, let me let me rephrase yeah, that. I'll do it properly because <coughs> it's my first time hearing it ever. <coughs> so he'd show a piece of art and be like, this is an art attack. Show another one. This is an art attack. And then he'd be like, this is art attack. Da, 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 da. That was just this entire show thing with it. Anyway, and, and people watch that? Bro, it was amazing. <laughs> As a kid, you were like, when he makes, uh, what he would do, he would take, say, like bags of dirt or something, right? And then he'd start with a wheelbarrow, start pouring it onto a lawn. Right. And then by the end, like you're just like, what is he doing? Just putting dirt on the lawn. By the end of it, he's drawn like a wow. dog on, like you can see it from like the roof or That's whatever. That's pretty cool. Okay. Um, so amazing artist. And Banksy is a street artist that was born in the UK from, he was from Bristol. Uh, he done, He's done stuff that looks like this, where it's like kind of the stencil art wow. and very political yeah, like right. artists and stuff like that. Um, anyway, there's a rumor going around that Neil Buchanan is Banksy and Banksy, people don't know who Banksy is. Oh, he's, he's like an anonymous sort of artist. Yeah, That's he's cool. never, 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 ever shown his face. So they're saying this host of this kid drawing show, yeah. art show, is like a like a vigilante artist. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So he's had to come out and say like, and this is a quote, there is no truth in the rumor, which was a statement that was given by, um, you know, Neil Buchanan. And it's just... <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I think I think it's pretty funny, and and I'm 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 a bit sad that you don't know who either either of these I'm artists sorry. are. I, I really I mean it is, it is interesting, but I I can't connect to the story. Nineteen ninety what did the show come out? I was still in Singapore, bro. We were watching Chinese like freaking Asian like kids shows. Like. What is, what is the what is the like uh, a well known. Asian uh, Chinese show. Actually, no, that's a lie. Asian- I was watching High Five. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't even watching. Chi- uh, there was these Asian shows that I would watch, but like they were terrible. So I would just ask mom to watch Turn on High Five, which is kind of funny because I was in Singapore watching High Five. <laughs> and I moved to Australia, and, I you just- wa- and, and then I stopped watching High Five when I came here. <laughs> you were just preparing for your time here in Australia. Yeah, when did you move to? So you were you born in Singapore? Yeah, I was born in Singapore. Okay. Uh, moved here when I was three and a half. Okay, so January of two thousand. Of 2000, yeah. Nice, man. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, culturally, I'm pretty much Australian. Like, I think like an Australian and I have Asian tendencies, obviously. Um, Asian <laughs> parents, you, pretty pretty ingrained in you. But um, the only thing I really miss from Singapore is probably family, food. Yeah. And like the efficiency of the city. <clears throat> oh, yeah, absolutely. But other than that, I, I want to live there. Like, I love going to visit. Never lived there. Yeah. yeah. I, was li- I was living there for a couple of years. Yes. I, agree, I agree with you, man. Yes. I agree with you. We're, we're supposed to connect on a multiple occasions. This could have worked out. <laughs> Just every time, every time I went there, it was like for three days. It was like, oh, this auntie want to say hello. This uncle, aunt, like auntie, uncle want to say hello. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. And because you, you were always doing drum clinics over there, I right? Did, well, I did one, and I had, and the other times was for a business meeting mm. and and family, and then the other time was I was taking my girlfriend all around the city. Yeah, getting her to meet all the aunties and uncles. Well, yeah, absolutely. Which is which is a which is a job. Like it's like this auntie wants to meet you in the morning for breakfast, and then and second breakfast, and then lunch. And even though Singapore is a tiny, tiny little island, a tiny part. Of, of Asia, you can you can go from one end of Singapore to the other in what, 30 to 45 minutes, yeah? yeah. It's yeah. like really, really small. I'm betting, <laughs> hopefully this doesn't come across racist, but you probably have lots of aunties and uncles over there. I have quite a few, <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, well, cause back then, like Singapore w- went from like a third world country to a first world country in like such a short amount of time. So, yeah. so my mom like and all her friends and people her age were like, had heaps of siblings. Yeah. Um. So like I have like, my mom's got like, Five siblings. Yeah, yeah. Dad's got like four, I think. <laughs> yeah, four. <laughs> um, but then, like, when I say aunties, uncles, there's also like family friends that we call auntie, uncle as well. So, mm. like, that knew me since I was a kid. Half of them, like, I remember you when you're so little. I'm like, I don't, I don't know who you are, but okay. Like, I, I think that's I'll the way it goes. Like, with, with <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kidding. Just like happy new year. Here's a red packet because <laughs> you're related to me, right? You're related. Yeah, to well, me. Yeah, well, yeah. What's the deal with that? Is it only? It's pretty if much you're younger. related? No, it's pretty much like, in, during Chinese year, it's like the best when you're young and mm. you go to Singapore or Asian countries. Like I, I went to like three dinners in Chinese New Year and I would pick up like five bread packets at each dinner. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's just like, if they see you, you're younger, they'll just give you a red packet. It could, it, And it goes from a range of like $5 to like a hundred bucks in a red packet. Yeah. So pretty much I paid on a, you know, Scoot? The airline? Yeah. I paid a $200, two, at the time there was a promotion, $200 two-way air ticket from yep. here to Singapore and I, got, I came back home with $600 in red packet money but came back with a profit bro that's how you do business man you gotta jump in Chinese New Year season that's like what percent profit is that it's like 200% profit anyway, a little yeah. more than 200% <laughs> yeah, <a little> more. <laughs> but that's all good man I like, I like that a lot did you okay let, let's jump let's jump into that, that I, I like that we've started to talk about you and your music and <laughs> your your business acumen a little bit um so let's let's jump past. I just said two hundred percent, which is probably not a good reflection of my business acumen. But that's that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. But let's jump into um, talking about you and your music. Um, 
because we've gone through all the important stuff talking yes, about this is the essential um, <laughs> talking about artists that you don't even know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> so bad. That's my bad because I thought <laughs> that you would know, but that's okay. That's all good. Okay. Um, when, when it came to music, um, so you were obviously born in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Did the music uh, start for you in Singapore or did it start here in Australia? Um, I would say it probably started in Singapore. So I grew up, my parents are pastors, so I grew up at church, mm. still at church. Um, but I pretty much started, apparently, according to my parents, started playing like my first ever beat when I was three in Singapore. Right on, like a drum kit at church, um, on like a, a like a like a live kit, but yeah, like yeah. kind of like sitting, like kind of like this. <laughs> I, I don't know. I somehow heard it and just ended up doing it. I was that kid. Those like chopsticks. I would literally break chopsticks. Yeah, like at restaurants, hitting stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then one day, I think it was probably like the music guy at church was like, "Hey, you know your son's like saying to my parents, you know your son's playing an actual beat, right? Like he knows what he's doing." Mm. He's like, "Oh, really?" So I guess cut that. I was still a kid, you know, back then. And then pretty much coming here. Um, I was like three and a half and then from there I was still super into it. I don't really remember but according to my parents I actually started playing drums like on an actual kit playing songs and stuff when I was like four and then playing at church when I was like five. So like you, you, come, to ch- you come to church service and just be like literally I still remember like, like on a full size kit. Yeah the toms would be like here the symbols here and then people walk into church like who's playing the drums? I just I hear drums but I just see sticks like flying around. It's no. Like, kid. Yeah so that was me um, and that's how music started for me on the drum kit. And it was just something I just did. I loved it. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I didn't think I was going to do it as a profession. So yeah. I was just doing it for fun. Um, and then I probably stopped doing it, like like practicing and getting lessons uh, around eight or nine. I kind of started to do like normal things, like normal kid things. So you were just playing for fun. in church, like since you were five. Yeah. You said. So I've been like playing in full services and stuff since I was a kid. Um, like full sets, like church, but it's like, but like church music's like easy, bro. Like it's like rock music. Like it's not like gospel where it's yeah. like hard. Lots of changes. No, nah, no, nah, yeah. it's like literally easiest. Like, and I'm playing with like average Joes. Like, they're not refined music. So like accountants and stuff <laughs> that like that like go to church and do music yeah. um, at church. But yeah, so I grew up at church, uh, and then kind of stopped around eight or nine kind of just became an old kid going to basketball sport did all that sort of stuff yeah um but i was still playing drums at church but i was never really into it like it wasn't my thing that i like to do it was no just the knew. thing you did on the weekend yeah right? yeah um so i i kind of like left it properly for a while mm. and about year seven so like 11 12 or tw- like 12 13 um i kind of realized that it was like a like hey man i started playing drums with a band and songs when i was five it's pretty it's like a pretty special thing. Like yeah. I was comparing with my mates. So maybe this is like a gift that I was given. Um, so maybe I should actually invest in this, right? Mm. So I started actually getting lessons again, practicing. And pretty much from there, I would, from about year seven all the way to year 11, 12, I would practice at least three hours, something hours a day. Damn. And, and just be shedding and practicing and just really growing as a, as a drummer. Um, won some like drum offs competitions and stuff like that and things like that. And then at around in year 11, I kind of decided, hey, like I think I'm, I think I'm probably good enough to maybe make this a career. Mm-hmm. Kind of internally, like, I didn't want to say it to my parents yet. <laughs> but like, no, Dr. Lloyd, dentist, like, that's it. That's all you got. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, and then I kind of made the decision to to do music full time from end of year 12. Nice. Yeah, so that's kind of my story with, with drumming. Like, kind of started really young, wasn't super consistent, knuckled down, started high school, practice. Because I, I kind of, you could say that was like my second wing, that like wind, like, I found a passion for it again. Yeah. And then kind of just went from there. With with the 
like you you said you you were just drilling practice like mm. three hours a day right mm. I think that's I, I remember just just trying to just play guitar and sing for like hours on end when I was younger mm. um, but for me I don't know if there was any deliberateness in that practice so for me it was fun yeah like I was just purely passionate about doing it yeah I, I wasn't practicing because I had a gig on like you know okay, what I, mean? yeah, I wasn't yeah. practicing because I wanted to be a drummer I was practicing because I love playing drums and yeah. I knew the only way to get good was practice <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah um Granted, you know, there were some incentives along the way. Like I had to prepare for like state drum offs that I won, like competitions and stuff. Yeah. And national drum offs and things like that. Like incentives along the way. But it was just purely the love for the instrument, man. Like, mm. um, and like, like for me, you can, if this is a drumming podcast, you need three hours like per episode because I had to talk about drums forever. You know, like I just love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, it was, there was no like, I'm going to practice because I want to get good for this with this. It was just like, I just want to play drums. See, yeah, because I've seen some of your, like, your um, practice videos or your, your drumming videos and you put up on Insta mm. and you are practicing, and I don't know the terminology, but you're practicing a particular thing. Like, uh, there's a word that you always say, like, say you're, you're practicing triplets or you're trying to get faster on triplets or something mm. of, that, of that nature, right? Were you doing that as... Uh, like as a teenager like when you when you're in high school were you being like i need to get my triplets faster i need to like be able to get this beat faster so or sp- like that. if you're talking about faster like speed was never really at the start obviously all i wanted to do was play fast like as every kid wants to do but um i had a i kind of realized pretty quickly that you know in terms of playing fast uh it was more about your technique and control yeah your speed happens your speed happens along like the speed just happens naturally yeah, yeah you know what i mean like it's kind of like an outcome of actually just having good control and technique so during high school i was very like i got really geeky nerdy into having good technique yeah which is not what most kids like to do right like they want to <laughs> just have the fun stuff straight away yeah but i really geeked out on like how to hold the stick properly hit the drum properly and like get really detailed with that and refine that and I still am refined to this day. Like for me, there's never any end. Like there's there's never end. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of like what I did in high school. I kind of spent those years really solidifying my foundation mm. and like fundamentals on the kit. Yep. Um, so that by the time I t- turned pro or studied at uni, I didn't have to focus on things anymore. I always put it like this, right? It's like with technique, it's like um, it's like if I go to, if I go, if I if I take a stand up and go pick up five sticks outside and come back, right? Throughout that whole process, you're not going to be thinking, all right, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, pivot my right foot, turn right, bend down, pick the sticks up. Yeah. And, and you know, you're not going to be thinking about how you're walking. You're just going to go, where am I going? Where are the sticks? Why the hell is he asking me to do this, right? So it's the same way with drumming and music for me. Right. Like teaching and, and, and technique. It's like my technique is not supposed to be the main thing. It's supposed to be something that you just have. It's second nature. So that when you're playing music or when you're playing you're thinking about where you need to go musically, mm. what needs to happen in this section. You're not yeah. thinking about this is how to hold the stick. I, I like it. It, so, it sounds like to me that you're saying that um, all of that technique building for you was building the muscle memory so that you don't have to think about it. Exactly, 100%. And then that when you're actually playing music now, it's more about, okay, how, what, how do I get the best feel out of, like, you know, yeah. how, do, how do I... How do I be musical? Yeah. Like, you, I don't want to be thinking about how to hold the stick. Like that's so boring. <laughs> I want to yeah. be thinking about how can I be expressive on my kit, but I need to know how to talk before I can form sentences and paragraphs and, mm. and stories together. And being able to have good technique facilitates that. You know what I mean? I like that. 
I like that a lot, man. Yeah, man. That's really cool. Um, you mentioned that you went to uni. So I think yeah. I, I, you and I met at Jams, I yeah, think. At, uh, it was MC Jam. I was, I was first year out of high school when I met you. Yeah. Wow, bro. That was a trip. How long ago was that? It was like, it's like six, seven years ago. Yeah. I was like 18. Yeah. Like 17? I was probably 17 or 18, yeah. Just 18 when I met you. Yeah, yeah. And it was at um, MC, was it MC, MC Jam in... Jural. I was going to say Dundas. Because Julian was teaching there. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, he, I met you through him. Yeah, so there was a jam out there. I think there needs to be more jams out in, in like in the West, man. I mean, um, it's hard now, but... Yeah. There was a couple that were sort of starting up and they I don't know what happened. I kind of just fizzled out. Yeah, I think they kind of they come and go. There needs to... As, as soon as things come go back to normal, um, hopefully we'll, we'll try to put together another jam. Yeah. We were trying to do one before this COVID stuff happened. Where? Um, at the Imperial Hotel at Rudy Hill. Okay. Oh, I um, remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to to pick that up again once all of this COVID stuff blows yeah, over. Yeah. But yeah, so I I met you and were you going to AIM at that time? I didn't go to AIM. I uh, went to a went place to called uh, AICM. Okay. But at the time, it was called Australian International Conservatorium of Music. That's now right. It's called AMPA. Um. So I, went, I was going there. I was studying music there. I did my bachelor's there for two years. Mm. Oh, two and a bit because I deferred some units because I got busy with gigs and teaching. Yep. Um, at the time, it was, I mean, even now, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit redundant doing that degree because I was already gigging out of high school yep. and teaching out of high school and doing everything that I wanted to do out of high school, but I was still studying music. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, it's still, you know, it definitely refined me and those things that I learned from doing that degree that, you know, uh very valuable today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I was doing at the time. I, I think honestly, to be honest, it's probably just to make the, the folks happy that I was studying something. To get, yeah, the, the bachelor's. Yeah, just get that piece of paper, bro. <laughs> very I remember expensive I, piece of paper. I remember that reci- your recital for that. Yes, and you sang for that and I'm very appreciative of that. Of course, man, of course. Bro, that was that was actually such a fun time, man. Jeez, oh, a testy pop. Um, that was such a fun time, man. <laughs> I miss doing that. It, se- it just seemed like Dancing with friends. That yeah. was that. <laughs> was that the name of the band? Yeah, okay. It was dancing with friends, but it was my recital, so it was like dancing with friends. Bracket short. <laughs> For oh, context, um, one of our bass player friends, his name is Daniel Singh, and um, we. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro, you gotta tag him when you have friends. <laughs> He's gonna be like, bro, what are you talking about, me, mate? What are you doing? And we. <laughs> And and I'm I built a meme. I don't. I think people just made the 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 joke that his name was dancing, like dancing, yeah. right? And then I I took it and I ran with it and made it was all one the, of the most legendary memes. All know. all of the meme, these memes of dancing, and so it'd be like, you know, what you should make for him for his birthday. Like you should make t-shirts, like like t-shirts. <laughs> those oh memes yeah, on it. how good would that? Or like just the quotes. Dancing in the moonlight and just have like a moon in his face yeah. on top of this. Like, <laughs> like that meme, that meme actually got me. Like that, and then there was one where it was like dancing while playing cello or yeah. something. Like, or like, like or so, the double bass. Like. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, there was one. Where, one of my favorite ones is dancing on the ceiling. Oh my gosh! Yep. Oh. <laughs> it's like I took. I don't know where I found it, but it was a, a picture on the on the internet of someone of people having a party. And they've duct taped it some somebody on the roof on the ceiling, and so I photoshopped Dan's face, face on onto yeah. that guy. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Dancing on the ceiling. Anyway, yeah, context. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of but yeah, so the, the name of the band for Sean's recital was Dancing with Friends, and in brackets, yeah, Sean. It was the best name. <laughs> Sean the judge, the the like the the judges were like. 
they were like, where'd you guys get that name? How, like, where's that? I don't get the name. He's like, and I pointed to Dan. His name is Daniel Singh. And they're like, oh. <laughs> well, I passed. I got my degree. So who cares? Like, that's all good. <laughs> hells yeah. Hells yeah. But yeah, so so that was that was your recital. You, So you were teaching straight out the bat, out of high school. Out of high school. Well, I was technically kind of <clears throat> teaching as like a pocket money thing in high school already. I think, I think a lot of people, a lot of musicians that I know, um, do teach on the side as a as a bit of like extra extra money and stuff like that. Mm. So you were doing this as your pocket money, just um, like teaching in high school. Yeah, and then out of uni, I was still doing it as like an income, like almost like viewing it as like my casual job, whatever. Yep. Um, and I only really started taking it seriously as a business probably two to three years ago. Okay. When I started to brand myself and market properly and yeah, formulate a method. Um, yeah, but I've been teaching drums for a very long time, mm. um, but only started running a teaching business. I would say, full like properly, probably two, three years now. Yeah, yeah. Were you teaching like younger kids when you were in high school? I was or teaching, teaching older kids. Yeah, just like teaching anybody. People, very old people, very young people, anybody. That's like, dope, yeah. man. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was like I would teach like I was like eighteen teaching like a thirty-five year old, yeah. forty year old, yeah, um, kids, people my age, sometimes yeah. like old high school friends or like high school friends as well. So yeah, yeah man, it was, I, I pretty much just said yes to anything like in terms of teaching. Did you, did you ever feel like, um, at any point, did you ever feel like you couldn't do it because you were younger than some of those people? No. Like, did you, so you, there, there was no self doubt or anything? I, like I, I think that for me, when it came to drumming and I've always had like confidence. Hmm. Um, and, for me, it's like if this person has actually approached me to get lessons, it means that he he himself has validated he's validated me in his brain. Yeah. So I don't have to feel insecure about it. Like I like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. He's obviously wanting to get lessons off me, which means that he's interest. So yeah, man, let's do it. Like I don't really care if you're older. Like I've spent at eighteen at that point in time, I would have spent what close to fifteen years on the drum kit. Mm. That's fifteen or fourteen years more than you have. Yeah. So, that's a really good way of looking at it, man. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. And I think, and, and I was going to say as well, like you have such a passion for drumming that like that's, you probably have a wealth of knowledge that you can impart onto, onto people regardless. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, am, am I talking nonsense right now? Like, so I do have to check, check myself once more. Am I just bantering nonsense? Like, <laughs> so I'll, I'll look at my student and sometimes I'll be going on this like super nerd tangent rant about like something that was like, maybe not relevant to what we're supposed to be talking about, yeah, yeah. but it's still information. Right. And then I'll look at his face and I'm like, did I just, are you, are you all right? Like, did I lose you? He's like, no, I love it. I just can't remember what we're talking about. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's go back. I have to go check like, like our worksheet. Like, oh, sorry, we're talking about paradiddles. I just ended up talking about this drum key like that I found in like- There, anyway. there, there was a, there's, there's a word that I think a lot of people won't know what is. Paradiddle. Oh, a paradiddle. What so is, what is- It's a, a rudiment. It's a sticking pattern okay. that um, is like, that we use in drumming. So it's essentially right, left, right, right, left, right, left, 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 left with accents on- um each side of the rudiment that's all it is so that's it's just like it's the, just this the, like so a paradiddle is like a pattern or like yeah, a, a way of yeah. hitting the, the yeah drum. it's a name for a pattern because i feel like i've always heard you say paradiddle <laughs> and <laughs> true i actually always say that paradiddle, like, paradiddle. let me go do some paradiddles it's like it's like, it's like, like, like a <laughs> pianist going i'm bored let me go do some scales Right, that, that right, sort of right, right, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. so it's like scales. Let too. me let me practice my blue scales, like something like that. Like, yeah, but it's just paradiddle. <laughs> <laughs> it is a funny ass word though, paradiddle. And uh, there's a rudiment called a paradiddle diddle. Every time I tell students, what? yeah, every time I tell students their name, they're like, "What? 
for diddle diddle? I'm like, no, para diddle diddle. And like, they're like, it doesn't make it any less funny. Like, <laughs> just because you had the word para on it. <laughs> Take it seriously, man. It's a para diddle diddle. Para diddle diddle. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. Because yeah, I've heard, I've heard you say that countless times. <laughs> And I have never known what the fuck you were talking about. I'm sorry. I should have, I should have given you a heads up. That explains your face all the time. That's like that explains why you're just quiet. Like I thought you were just gonna go play with yourself. Let's just. I'm, oh I'm gonna do some. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm gonna go do some paradiddles. <laughs> That's terrible. No, don't endorse that. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so you so you've been teaching for for years already, and then yeah. from there, it's like you said that you started branding yourself. Was that was ready to drum the first ever like name that you had, or was it, was it like? So it was. It's kind of funny like how Ready to Drum began. Um, do you guys? Do you want me to share how Ready to Drum? Bro, began? so of course. What happened was I was I was kind of teaching. I was teaching privately any, myself anyway. And when I decided to like started to start to take it seriously, mm. it was actually before Ready to Drum. Um, it was more like, look, I have this opportunity. I have a bunch of students that are kind of looking up to me and wanting to get better, mm. and. At the moment, I think for me, is a healthy thing to do is I want to start earning a good income, right? Yeah. So I started to start the teaching business. Was trying to get students, you know, doing like my own. But I did the whole thing, man. I like like ran around my neighborhood dropping leaflets, went to notice boards. I did the whole hustle, right? Yeah. Trying to get my name in schools and everything. Um, Dope. And then I kind of reached out to like a big brother mentor of mine, Kevin Mendoza. Shout out. Uh, shout out Kevin Mendoza. You should have him on this podcast. He has a wealth of knowledge to share, by the way. But oh, um, yeah. he's, he's a machine. But anyways, I kind of reached out to him, but going like, just asking him, hey, like, um, I know sometimes people ask you if they need lessons, but you don't do lessons. More like, if you could pass them on to me, that'd be awesome. Really appreciate, appreciate it because I'm looking for students. And he's like, how about we start an online drumming platform together um, and we can rolling our money later like he was kind of just dragging me in to try to start some online thing i love i love that kevin has that like like yeah. entrepreneurial no, he's mind, he's man. a serial entrepreneur man that yeah. dude like he went to thailand for six months and came back and started a resort like he's got a resort man, like what a what a machine <laughs> anyways um so yeah so met up with him and we pretty much brainstormed ideas and mm. then ended up um forming ready to drum um and originally it started as just like an online drumming course and it still is like you can still go do the course online that i wrote and recorded and everything myself yeah um but now i've kind of recently just merged everything into one sort of brand so ready to drum uh was originally kind of a separate thing from my private lessons mm -hmm. um but i figured everybody kind of knows the brand ready to drum it's easy identifiable like yeah. you see it ready to drum oh it's obviously drumming it yeah. has to be something to do education right like can't be like I don't know, ready, ready to water drum. Like, can't be anything stupid like that. So, um, so ready to power diddle. Yeah, right. Ready to power, ready to drum. So, I decided to just merge that together, and yep. now I have official brand and like education online slash in person private uh, business as well. So, um, yeah, like so, ready to drum started this uh, like this online thing that uh, was supposed to be like a almost like a like it. In my mind at the time, it was like a passive income generator. Like yeah. I wanted to create this online course and sell millions of freaking members and make like be a Lamborghini, Instagram rich, famous guy um, and then still teach privately. Right. But obviously that didn't work out. Yeah. Um, honestly, when we launched it, it was a flop and I'm happy to share that okay. um, because I feel like if you're not honest with yourself and the people around you, then you're wasting your time. Mm. So um, like we, did, we didn't launch well. We didn't launch the way we should have launched, I think. Um, it was really tough actually like, probably two years ago when I had to, at the start of 2019, I kind of wrote up a, like after the whole launch romance, romance stage of the business kind of fell over. It was like 2017, 2018. Mm. I had to kind of be really real with myself and go, what happened with R2D's launch? What did we do wrong? Yep. And there were so many things we did wrong. Right. 
and kind of went through that with Kevin. And then pretty much like it kind of just simmered and sat there for a little while. I kind of just had it floating. I was still teaching. And then I was like, you know what? Like I can start to actually make these these two things work. Because there was actually one, there was like one night, it was like two in the morning because I was working, just doing admin. And I, I had, I was literally ready to like pull all the videos off the internet. Like, let's just close this whole thing down. Yeah. It's not working. It's dumb. Yeah. Um, but then I looked at it. I was like, man, we spent hours, I spent hours editing, doing all this. Like it'd be such a waste to kind of just, make it nothing so what i actually use ready to drums online course for now is for either students that i can't fit into my schedule don't mm-hmm. want to get started send them to the course go do the course first so when they come in they're already kind of pre-prepared with the foundations of a beginner i like that or as a supplementary uh tool teaching tool, tool. teaching tool as well so some students are kind of concurrently learning from me while they they do the online course yeah because the first probably three months of lessons with me are is almost the same as like a 30-day course of ready to drum Mm-hmm. So you, they're kind of running it concurrently. So they actually their first three months is actually they grow really fast when they do that. So I've kind of integrated nice. it into my private lessons now. Yeah, um, and also use it as a tool for people who can't really make it out to lessons with me or I can't fit in mm. as an access point as well. So who knows down the road if if things go well, um, I might might write another course and release it as well. But probably targeted more the advanced advanced yeah. kind of group. Dude, yeah. I like that so much. That sounds really cool. Did, yeah, man. Was that something you came up with Kev? Like you like, that whole you, integration thing? Yeah. Nah. I had to Kev's been really busy doing his amazing things. So yeah. uh, while he was doing that, I kinda had a lot of time to myself to kind of just go, look, I gotta do something with it. Yeah. He wanted to uh, repurpose it. Yeah, yeah, literally. That's exactly what happened. Um so repurposed it, repackaged it, repriced it to much much more affordable. That was yeah. one of the biggest mistakes we did. We priced it way too high than what it should have been. Okay. Um and then yeah, and then we brought the price down and um, now it's kind of, it's doing it's doing okay. Like, I'm not going to say it's popping off. It's like some people are registering. A lot of my students are registering. Yeah. Um, you can do a seven-day free trial as well. So it, it is what it is. I think this, that's something that I that we've talked about on the podcast before where um, some musicians don't know how to price well. Mm. They don't know how to like... Some? A lot. <laughs> a lot. There are some musicians that price themselves too high and some musicians that, w- that price themselves way, way too, too low. low. Yeah. Um, there are so many... Excuse me. So many of my friends and session users that price themselves way too low. And, and like, I think it's, when I'm thinking of it in like corporate jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you've been in a particular industry for, you know, a certain number of years, then that also, that can dictate your salary. Yeah. Right? How, how do you, or how should musicians mm. price themselves? Because if you've been playing for, a, a certain number of years then obviously then your rate should be i think it's um the, the, that's a that's also the beauty but also the trickiest thing uh yeah. with pricing yourself as a muso because you can also have been playing for not that long but be amazing mm. and you can also have been playing for ages and be terrible um <laughs> yeah there are definitely people out there like, like that out there right um so i think it's more knowing where you sit in the market just like any business right like knowing your product where mm. that sits and how competitive it is and and how good it is, the quality of your product. I always like like to view myself as like like my my skill set as a drummer as a product. That's my product as a business. Yeah. How good is my product? Okay, I have a good product, right? Then the networking and marketing comes. But if you have a terrible product, but your marketing is amazing, doesn't matter. You can't you can only polish your turd so much, right? Mm. So like you kind of gotta view yourself and be really honest. Like, how good am I compared to the guys that are getting the good money? Yeah. Am I as good? Am I better? All right, maybe I can actually start pricing myself. You know what I mean? Or like, um, that guy's a few levels above me right now. I think I'm, I'm happy taking this. Yeah. You know? Um, I do believe there should be like a standard minimum though. Yeah. And the minimum should be much higher than what it is. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like I think just the nature of the music business, the te- like the gigging business, it's so in a way terribly competitive where there's so much undercutting happening. Yeah. Um, that it's so hard to kind of sit there and be like, this is my rate. Cause I know like I've been in a position where this is my rate and then someone will come in and drop Undercut. by 50 bucks. Yeah. Which at that one instance, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll drop by 50 bucks to not lose a gig. But then that happens again. It happens again. Yeah. And eventually you drop 200 bucks and you keep compromising over the years and you're like, oh crap. And then you want to, and then you eventually ask for the, for the pay that you originally wanted. It's like, no, you've been doing it for like 50 bucks. Yeah. For 50 <laughs> bucks now. Like, why do you want suddenly $500? It's like, uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So Yeah. It's such a hard thing. That's such a hard thing to do. And I think a lot of, um, yeah, most musicians have to navigate through that. I think mm. most, most creatives need to navigate through what is their like product worth. What are like, what are they worth? Um, I know that I, I know I, I've had, that's happened to me in the past where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to, I want to do this gig because, but then it's like, yeah, they, they're charging you 50 bucks. I was like, oh, what, what? Yeah. Look like that's, that's crazy. They, you wouldn't even pay like a plumber to do that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So I think, I think it also reflects on how, um, the, like the industry or just the commercial world views and values art and mm. music. So I guess like that's, and that's where marketing and stuff come into play, obviously to help because marketing for me in the music industry is allowing people that don't know music to understand the value yeah. of that music or that artist or that whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tricky game and I feel like just like the music industry, um, and just like music and art, you have to be, you have to sort of treat it case by case. Yeah. Like the one thing I've learned from gigging is that there's no one size fits all process. You have to treat it case by case. Obviously, there's things you can learn from with each gig or whatever, yeah. but you sort of have to treat it case by case. Someone told me it was—I think it was Rowan Toombs. You remember Rowan? Yeah. Shout outs. Three, shout outs. The, the three things that make it uh, that define whether I want to say yes to gig is your, the money, or sorry, the music, the money, or mates. The three M's. So it, like and the that. gig has to qualify at least two. Yeah. So it's either the money and the music's dope, I say yes. The music and the mates are dope, I say yes. Or the mates and the money is good. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, then you say yes. It's like those three. I've kind of lived by that, like unknowingly. Yeah. I kind of reflected on it just the other week. Like, oh yeah, kind of kind of makes sense now. I kind of get it now. Yeah. And and the gigs where it's all three, that's like the best. Like that's the dream gig. And I have I have, I have a dream gig at the moment, which is the Jess gig. Like that's covering all three for me. Let's not be modest. You, you play for Jess Malboy. Yeah. Yeah. When she play, when she when she plays shows, when she plays, <laughs> um, she's she's she's. I think she's doing really well. So I mean, that, that's cool. But um, yeah, yeah I, I picked up that gig about a year ago, yeah. like full time. I was shout outs to Just Malboy, Jessica Malboy. <laughs> um, she's the most loveliest artist individual to work with. She's honestly, so talented, man. she's a beast singer, amazing. Good but grief. like the biggest thing that kind of like impacted me was how amazing she was off the stage. Yeah unseen like her integrity as a person yep. and just a human being she's like the nicest boss ever yeah. <laughs> like, <you> know, like <laughs> she's super caring and, and loving so um yeah she's she's the bomb but um yeah i was kind of under kind of second call for her for a while under kevin yeah uh, and then kevin started starting resorts and doing stuff in thailand doing um, all so the I guess amazing he, stuff yeah he kind of gratefully was given to me so i'm super grateful for that opportunity amazing um, and yeah man it's it's been a ride ever since that's that's until awesome. COVID. <laughs> until, until COVID, I've been to one. Of, I've been to one of um, Jess Malboy's concerts, and like the like, bro, it's just the musicianship is just on another level. 
And I'm so lucky that I get to be part of that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's Daryl Bearden, man. He's the, the genius. Shout behind outs. It all. Like he's, <laughs> he's the genius behind it all. That dude is like a musical wizard. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's cool. Like it really forced me to level up. Like mm-hmm. when, like, honestly, when I sat down that gig, I was like, what? I'm diving freaking belong here, man. Like these guys are amazing. Like, why am I here? Yeah. But it forces you to level up. Like, and I love being in those environments because I always say, if I'm the best muso teacher businessman in the room, I don't want to be in that room. I want to be in a room where I'm the worst, so I can it Learn. forces me to grow. Because and and that's what happened. It had to happen. Like it was a necessity for me to keep the gig and to be there. Was I had to grow. I had to keep up with the pace that they were sort of moving at and and just be super on top of my game all the time. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, man, so Sorry, much good stuff. We're tangenting everywhere. <laughs> That's all good, man. There's so much good stuff about like, you, I, I like how you were talking about making sure that you, like you have you have mentors. Yeah, you have people huge. that you look up to. Um, I have and, amazing mentors. Like, yeah. like guys that have even just a, like, just a phone call with them once in a while. Yeah. Like even those guys, like they're, Honestly, some of my biggest business decisions or life decisions have come off the back of just Speaking. asking them for their opinion. Yeah, because man, they they've they've been through it. Like they know they've yeah. been through the fire, and I'm 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 in a place where luckily I'm starting to actually give back now. There's like younger guys that are calling me up, and um, every time I'm trying to be super generous with my time mm. because that's what helped me, right? You know, so yeah, I like that. When it came to like finding your mentors, like. How did that happen? Like when, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's it's important to have a mentor to get a mentor and all this stuff. Like, what I know, I know it's different every time, but I think did you have to kind of cold call someone to, no, to be your like mentor, think, or did it just so, happen so, organically? So Kevin, I I randomly hit him up on Facebook when I first left high school because I heard about him through a high school friend, yeah, like just connection, like fellows in the west, bro, and then <laughs> <laughs> like Asian fellows and friends in the west. We're all and family, then, yeah, right. Um, and then through other drummers as well that I met, yeah. Um, so and naturally he kind of he was the, the man in the scene, I guess. I guess how I viewed it at the time. So he kind of took me under his wing naturally. Mm. Um, but he was more mentoring me on the music business side of things, not playing side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of playing, I've had like, I wouldn't say like solid, solid mentors, but like big brothers I look up to in terms of playing. So guys like Rolf Ramphiel from Hillsong, um, who's, who's been, who's known me since I was like eight, Dom Cabrera, who I look up to as a player. Like, shout out, shout out. Such a freaking beast, man, that dude. Yeah. And just other amazing cats that, that I would get inspired from. But I don't know, like, I feel like they kind of happen organically. And yeah. I also feel like mentors will only really want to chat with you if they know you're, you're not using them um, as like a, how do you say it? If you're not relying on them. Yeah. Like you shouldn't rely on your mentors. You rely on your work. You rely on what you're doing. The mentors are kind of just like, that sort of guideline. It's like, they, it's they, like, shouldn't be, it like, they shouldn't be a step up. Yeah, like, I view yeah. it as like, do you know when you're like loading and screening the game and then mm. it's not like on some of the FPS it gives like, like, like tip. There's like a tip and then it says like a random tip somewhere like at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like that. Like that's what they're there for. It's like mm. they've been through it. They know what's the ins and outs of the game. So they just give you like a little clause, a little tip along the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. That kind of helps you. It's like, oh, didn't realize that. Oh, that was kind of cool. I'm yeah, glad, yeah. Like I'm glad you told me that or, you know, things like that. Um, so one of my mentors was a ex-CEO of Zurich. Okay. Um, the other mentor, I've got a mentor who's like one of the probably larger property developers in Australia. Um, and this are my business mentors. Mm. Uh, the the ex CEO guy is like family friend. So 
kind of happened naturally. He's kind of like my dad's friend, but he kind of took me under his wing because he kind of saw that I love business and we connect over faith as well and our mission to to do what we do. Yeah. Um, and then Kevin, like, just just through the music seat and a few other guys as well. So I yeah, like man. that so much, man. Yeah, man, it's so important. I think it's so important to acknowledge that, like, there are people that have gone before you and done well. Yeah. It'd be a wise thing to pick off their brain. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. And not be arrogant to think, hey, I, I know better. Like, I'm, I'm young. I'm hip. Like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> you don't. You don't know. You don't, you don't know, know everything. Like, thing, know like everything. the more I, the more I realized I didn't know stuff was was actually when I started to do stuff better. Mm. Because I was like, man, I don't know anything right now. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's it's the like you start to grow more once you realize that you don't know anything. Yeah. that's when it's, you start. To it's like things. I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like you think you're getting better, right? And then you start to verse like the higher belts and you're like, crap, I know nothing. Right? Just like, <laughs> I suck right now. I'm just getting tapped out there. Like, Are you still doing BJJ? Yeah, I started. I've, yeah. I've been doing it for close to two years now. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I want to get into that as well. Come man, come hang. Where, where do you train? I train at Dural. Okay. <laughs> the MC Gym. <laughs> Literally <laughs> ra- like around the corner from where it was. Is there um, a BJJ jam? No. Just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would be awkward. Like oh, people man. choking each other out while you're singing Never Too Much. <laughs> never Too Much. <laughs> <never, never, never. laughs> oh, oh, man. man. Um, I guess uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you as well was, like, now that now that COVID started and, like, you, 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 like you said, um, Ready to Drum, it's still called Ready to Drum, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready to Drum is, is, so pretty much Ready to Drum is a now private lessons with me. Yep. And the online platform. The online it's platform, just a yeah. drumming education platform, I like to say it. More. Yeah. Yeah. And and you said that you've been doing more of the marketing to kind of grow that business. Yeah. Uh, I haven't honestly been doing that much marketing. Mm. I've been doing just maybe content and word of mouth and just branding a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like even just little things like uh, contact points and where people could find information on me. It's all through the website now. Yeah. Whereas before it was kind of disparate. Same, yeah, yeah. Kind of separated. So yeah. Kind of centralize everything. It just makes it easier. And I think like every teaching business has to go online. Like, Absolutely. That yeah. way you can avoid it. What's where can people find the ready to drum website? What's the website? Ready to drum. Ready to drum.com. So ready, uh, R E A D number two. Oh, sorry. R E A D Y number two. D R U M.com. Dot com. That's it. Nice, man. That's it. Um, one final question before we we cap off. But um, what's one piece of you've you've dropped so many gems on this podcast on this interview so far? Really? Yeah. I feel like I've just been talking crap. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been saying nonsense, man. Oh God, oh <laughs> you're, you're doing well, man. You're doing well. Um, one thing that we like to ask our guests is like if there was one piece of advice that you were to give to. Somebody and like you said, you you're already giving back to some of the the, the people that are younger than you. Mm. What piece of advice would you give to somebody who's looking to pursue a career in drumming or pursue a business? Which one? Well, like I guess, uh, what stands out for you most? Like, what what is the most like most important piece of advice that you think you would you would give to somebody in all of your career so Man, far. this is hard because it's so, like everything attaches to each other. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid of the hustle. Okay. Yeah. Everyone gets afraid of it because- Of the, of the hard work of the behind hustle, it. Of the hard work. Um, yeah. There will be nights where you want to give up. There'll be nights where you just don't think you're going anywhere. Mm. But it, if you just keep pushing and have a clear set of goals, you'll be all right. Just don't be afraid of the hustle because everyone's scared to work hard. I like it. Everyone's scared. Every, everyone, everyone loves 
wants the goal, but they never love their journey. I always tell my students this: you want to be good at drums, right? It's like, yeah, all right. Power are you gonna, yeah, well, are you gonna do? What, are you gonna do what it takes to get there? Because yeah. getting good at drums isn't a like just a destination; it's a process. Like yeah. you have to love the process. So don't be afraid of the hustle; it's part of it. Mm. Yeah, and there's so many things you learn along the way too. I like it. I like that a lot. Can we get some air horns for that, please, man? <laughs> that was a, that's amazing. Thank you, man. I, well, I wanted to. Your time, man. Appreciate I, it. I want to say thank you for coming onto the show um, and and talking to us and to, like sharing your story because it's amazing. I appreciate the opportunity as well. Like it's cool. This is a vibe. I always love talking. Talking. <laughs> it's a good way to catch up with you. Like knocking, like hitting two birds with one stone, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the. Uh, what, one of the things that we like to do, um, and we'll, we'll jump into the, the cheat code stash, but where can people find you online? Do pe- you want to take them through Ready to Drum? Or so, yep. So Ready to Drum is just, as we said, readytodrum.com with the number two is the two. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sean, S-E-A-N, Isaac, I-S-A-A-C-T-N-G. That's just straight up one word. Is Ready to Drum on Instagram Yeah, Ready to Drum on Instagram as well. On the Facebooks? It's on Facebook as well. You can find me on Facebook. Just add me. I don't care. I'm not pretentious with adding people. We'll chat. Say hello. Yeah. And yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Nice, man. Nice, nice. All right. So we'll jump into the cheat code stash. Basically, what we do is we... Kind of we, scared now. What is, what is this? We'll basically choose a song that we've been vibing to, whether it's, um, you know, the, the past month, the past week, the past day, anything, and then we'll play it on the Cheat Coder Stash and we talk about it. Nice. Um, and we'll put it into a list. We usually start with me, so I'll start so that you get some time to think about what song you want to play. Mm-hmm. We, we like to play some, um, uh, like, local artists, but there's this one track that I was listening to uh, this week, and I just want to play it. It's by Kevin Ross who is an amazing R&B singer um, and it is a cover of a Jeff Buckley song. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm just going to play it. This is, this is Everybody Here Wants You by Kevin Ross and Kanjalay. Go for it. And like the original song is this soulful, like bluesy sounding track and he's just turned it into this sexy R&B song. Like... Straight up, like his voice is just butter, man. Just crazy. You had to hit him with the falsetto like early on. I know, right? It's like smooth butter. Butter. Here we go, here it goes. With the 808 as well. Yeah, like, man. So good. I love that it's like space. Yeah. I love that it's like, I don't need to play notes. I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to listen to this on the way home now. Oh, it's, it's dope. Here's the second verse. Kanjalei. I love the harmonies in that. Bro, you should cover the song with Bencio. Should I? I, I don't think I'll be able to sing this as, as well as Kevin Ross, but <laughs> goodness gracious. No, it's beautiful, man. Oh, my goodness. And that was Everybody Here Wants You, 
a cover by Kevin Ross and Kanjale. I don't know if I could play an Aussie artist that I've been listening to. Um, it's it's an instrumental piece, but it's not like oh bass. man, we'll play. Can I lay it down? Yeah, a lot a, a lot of a lot of like bass players in music definitely know these guys. Yeah, but this is what I've been vibing to. Where are they from? Here, are they? US. Okay. Um, so one of my favorite drummers ever is the drummer for Ben. Yep. I just gotta find the track, bro. The What's the drummer's name? Nate Smith. Hey, you know okay. Nate Smith, right? Okay, I've heard you talk about him before, bro. He is like, oh, dude, it's, it's it's not fair. Anyways, I think it's this one. And I think you were trying to get him in here for a clinic or something, right? No, no, no that was someone else. Aaron Spears is the guy. That All right, that's right. Yeah. Ash, Ash's drummer. Yeah. So this is Ace of Aces by the Fearless Flyers. And the mad thing about this is no keys. It's all guitars, bass, and drums. Mm. So funky. Wake up in the morning, just freaking driving to me. Like, <laughs> like, let's go get out of the car. Why are you dancing? Because I'll just listen to Fearless Flyers, bro. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going to save this to my playlist now, too. It's probably like a good intro walk in music song, eh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you're, just <laughs> you're just strutting down the road. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. And like is he doing anything super complicated in this or is it just pocket? Yes and no, but okay. mainly pocket. It's mainly his touch, his sound, his pocket. Yeah. Um and also the way he's interacting with everything else. Yeah. Like the thing I love about this is that everyone's playing busy, yeah. but it's not overlapping each other. Okay. No one's really fighting the space. Everyone's actually, it's all working like a big crazy puzzle. Yeah. It's like this beautiful thing. And it's very percussive, everything, because there's no like keys. Yeah. Sorry, sorry Julian. There's no like keys or piano. <laughs> it's just all guitar, bass, and, and drums. So it's amazing. Man. I'm just going to let this play out. I'm just going to let it play. Now yeah. it's just like them soloing on top. Yeah, and there's so much going on, but yeah, you can hear every, yeah. every little bit. You can hear the guitars, what they're doing, you can hear what the bass is doing, you can hear what the drums are doing. Yeah. Man. Woo! Yeah, man. And that was Aces of, uh, Ace of Aces by the Fearless Flyers yeah, man. with the drummer Nate Smith. Right, machine. Man, I want to thank you once again. Thank you, Sean Isaac Tung, for being on the Cheat Coders podcast, <laughs> bro. Thank you so much for just just laughing with us Thanks and like having and me, chatting bro. with me. Appreciate um, it. Uh, what do we do to sign off for this part? Uh, if you want to find me, uh, it is Don Doing Stuff on everything. Don Doing Stuff online is my website, or you can find the Cheat Coders at the Cheat Coders on Instagram, Facebook, or thecheatcoders.com. <laughs> Um, we usually finish off with the four tenets of the four values of the cheat coders, which are community, consistency, create freely, and Raf's favorite one, quit your job. Jeez, <laughs> that's heavy, bro. <laughs>